today and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live right here on Faith FM. G'day. We're, we've been a bit slow off the mark today, Hunty. Yeah, my fault. My bad. Well, yeah, except I started them with my mic off as well. Oh, that, that's okay. G'day. G'day, g'day. My name's Lloyd Grolman. Yep. I'm the Aussie Pastor. Welcome to our program today. Coming to you really from a very rainy, not cold, but rainy, rainy, miserable. Well, is it mm, miserable, It's Hunty? pretty miserable. It's, it's... Overcast, rainy. And muggy. Humid and humid and humid. Yeah. yeah. In fact, it's flooding in Sydney right now as I talk. It is. But we're glad you're here. We are so glad. And I know that uh, you're going to get blessed. Well, I'm praying you'll get blessed. And I want to start for prayer, hunty. Yes. It's something I've been doing this year. And it makes me feel better because I feel like we're, we're asking the Lord to be with us right. Mm. Actually, hunty, do you want to pray? Yeah, me too. Let's bow our heads together. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this opportunity to share you with the people who are listening on our radio program, Lord. I pray that you'll bless them who are listening and I'll bless their lives. And please uh, bless Pastor Lloyd this afternoon as he shares from your holy scriptures, I ask in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. You know how um, last week we met and was it like the day after Valentine's Day? <laughs> yes. And you didn't put anything in the love bank. <laughs> Well, actually, I took a bit out. Yeah. <laughs> I made a withdrawal. I made a big, uh, I made a big deposit into the love bank yesterday. You certainly did. I, Way out of character. Actually, you helped. You helped me because what happened was not willingly. My wife. <laughs> you're pretty willing, actually. My wife went to Melbourne for a wedding. Yep. Of a relative, very close relative, actually. It was a really special time for her and and, and the boys, and they went down. Then I stayed in up here in. Sydney because I had some things to do. Then my wife rang me and she was feeling a little bit uh, worried about yeah about yeah. driving from Melbourne to Sydney, which is not much for you and me, is it? But nope. for her, a big deal. In fact, it's such a big deal that on the way down, she drove down with her mother-in-law and her sons, two sons. Yep, they stayed at Albury in a motel. <laughs> Because Lizzie thought it was just too far <laughs> to drive. One hit, yep. And she says, Oh, Lloyd, can you come down here and pick me up and drive us home? So I went and got the airfares are really cheap at the moment, mate. Really? Yeah, I think it's one of those $58 fares. No way. To Melbourne, yeah. And there's, like, I, I was just reading the other day, you can get to Europe, to Greece at the moment for $560 oh. dollars return on Scoot. Let's go. Yeah, it'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah. I think where would we find the 560 each? I know, right. <laughs> what would we do when we get there, sit on the beach? <laughs> that sounds good. Anyway, I flew down there, um, got in the car and drove home yesterday. But where it got real interesting was, I remember I turned up to the airport at 4 o'clock. Train station. Train station, not the airport. Yep. I was on my way to the airport from the train station at 4.15am in the morning, right. which is pretty early for me. You know, I walk up to the train station and there's a guy waiting for me. He says, where are you going? I said, oh, to the airport. He says, well, no, you're not. And I said, well, what do you mean? He says, 1.30am last night. They And remember, this is about 4.15am, so it's an hour or two later. They decide to go on strike. So you'll have to find another way to the airport. So I'm thinking, how can I get to the airport? So I rang my old mate, Hunty, at, what, 4.25 a.m.? Yes, yes, gone, just gone four. <laughs> and, and I think um, I picked him up five minutes later at 4.30. Yep. And off I went to the airport. That's so it's it. a bit, it's a, but I put a lot of money in the love bank because I made the effort to go down there, pick my wife up and drive back from Melbourne to Sydney. As a drive, you I actually did. enjoy. And for all our listeners in Melbourne, I actually really like, I'm a Queensland boy, lived in, in, oh, that's not fair actually, I'm really a Sydney boy, aren't I, Hunty? Born in New South Wales. No. 
Yes. Born again in Queensland. Okay. <laughs> 20, 21 years, 21 years I've been living in Sydney though, but I love Melbourne. It's a beautiful city, hunty. Hey, I've not, I'm not done making fun of your, your love bank trip yet. Yeah, oh, that's right. So you paid $58 for the airfare? Mm. Do you want to know how much money I rang up on your car just driving back through all the toll roads I used 60, to get back? 60 bucks. Yep. <laughs> but that, that puts even more money in the love bank because that's over $100 I spent on a <laughs> <right>. yesterday. <laughs> and, and let's go back to February 14 and, oh, no. and, and Valentine's Day. How did you go on February 14? Can you remind our listeners? <laughs> yeah, I had my wife out in the sun helping me move technical furniture for church. Yes. <laughs> so if you, if you, especially for you new hopers who are listening to if you see a bit of tension between Hunty and Jackie, you'll know what's what's going down. He's withdrawn every dollar in that love bank. Uh, although the fact is, it's pretty. You know, we talk about that love bank in jest, but it's actually pretty important, isn't it? it that is. both husbands it and is. wives do special things for for each other. Yep. So that they know that they are special. And uh, I, I think you know we, we laugh about it, but I think it, it's when I do. So, and I don't do it a whole lot, but I think when I did something like that for Lizzie yesterday, she likes it. It makes her feel like she's special, and yeah, well, my husband will come to Melbourne for me. So you husbands out there, oh, I better not say follow my lead, had I? That'd be setting myself up too much. But it is good to remember your wife. That's right. And to gently do things for her at times, just because for no other reason you love her. You know, I've got advice to newlyweds, to newlywed males. Yeah. I like to say to them, hey, just remember this. You're never in trouble with the missus while you're doing chores. It's true. Someone said you're never in the you're never in trouble with your wife when you're outside hanging the washing on the line. That's true. That's so true. Hey, let's tell our listeners about today's program. By, by the way, before we move yeah, on, you the handbrake again. <laughs> <laughs> before I went to Sydney, yep. I cleaned the house up. I vacuumed the you house. Did? Yes, I did. I went and got the washing off the line. Change the made- litter. Yes, Ooh. I did. Made sure the kitchen was crystal clean. You know what? Yep. The wife loves to come home from a trip like that and the, the kitchen's clean. It's a big deal. It is For a big deal. Sure. The only thing I forgot to do was vacuum downstairs. Yeah, nothing worse than coming home to a sink full of dishes. No, it's depressing, isn't it? It is. And we have got a good program today, We do. We? We've got a very special guest later this afternoon. Your boss. Your boss. Oh, Your- our boss. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's, yes. he's the lead pastor of the Australian Union. He's actually coming to talk to us about end times and how we as Christians should be, well, biblically, should be looking at end times. Because I think there's some pretty crazy stuff out there in the Christian movement about end times. We're going to do a Bible study. We are going to do that Bible study this week, Hunty. Well, we've been, yeah, we've been putting it off for a while now. We're going to do a Bible study on the Holy Spirit. We've got some good music. Well, we think we did because Hunty's chosen the music today. We have some fantastic music, and that's because I chose it. You did. First time ever. First time ever in 41 programs. So number 42, you get to choose the music. That's it. So if you don't like the music, by all means, feel free to write into us <laughs> and complain. Hey, Hunty, yeah, yeah. Us, he's got his finger oh. on the button ready to move us on. Um, I suppose I should give a plug for Ask the Aussie Pastor. Yeah, yeah. All right, so well, coming what, up... What is it first? Coming up later in the program, we've got a very interesting segment called Ask the Aussie Pastor. Have you got any questions in yet? Oh, there's some rippers today. What, Absolute what, rippers. You say that every week, actually. Yeah, but that's because they're great questions. Um, is one, it, of, one of them's going to really make you scratch your head. <laughs> doesn't make much to scratch. doesn't take much to scratch my head. Um, is it too late for them to ask a question? No. It can be any question on the Bible, any question on God yep. that you've got whatsoever. What would they yep. do, Hunty? Look, you can um, SMS them or text them to us, to us on 0488 or you can email them to us and the address is info at com. Hey, we did pray, didn't we? We prayed. Good. 
Welcome to our program. Hope Jesus blesses you. I hope and pray above all else that you get to see him more clearly. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Well, what an interesting week it has been in the news. Absolutely. It's not, it's not officially up for discussion in this section anyway. We'll talk to Pastor Terry because we're getting into end time events yep. with him a little later. But you can't escape the news today that Russian tanks have rolled into Ukrainian territory. Really? They have. When did that happen? This morning. Oh, dear. Um, I would think the world is facing... Unprecedented times. I, I, I don't think I can overestimate the danger that the world is in right now with Russian tanks rolling into the Ukraine. Mm. Um, Ukraine is sovereign, sovereign territory. It's a free land. They have, I believe, a right to determine their own future. Yep. And they have a big neighbour who's determined that they will be the ones who will decide, well, Putin thinks he'll be the one who decides how the future of Ukraine will go. The danger of that, this all looks very similar to what was happening pre-World War II re-Poland. Especially when you look at all the the resources, natural resources that Ukraine has. Yeah, look, actually, I think the thing that makes me sad about this is both the Ukraine and the Russians really are brothers. Yes. They're both part of the Slav, the greater Slav nation. Yep. The old Yugoslavia, Croatia, Serbia. Yep. All a part of those um, people, and f- the people that I've met from both the Ru- Russia and Ukraine are very fine people. In fact, a, a pastor friend of mine, Pastor Carter, we've had. It. We should get him on again. Yeah, we should. I'd like to talk to him actually about this. I bet he has some strong opinions. Well, he'd have some good views because mm. he's he's educated in the area. Yep. Um, and and I don't come on on Russia or the Ukraine side here. I just think it's inexcusable to, for for two brothers like that to fight a war. Yep. It's inexcusable. And if this thing really gets going, the fact that you that Russia has such a huge war machinery, um, but as I said last week, Ukraine are not exactly defenceless either. They've been being armed by the West for six years. This could get really nasty. Very. And uh, I, I don't think we need to take sides in conflicts like this, but I think we as Christians can pray that God will bring peace. And I know the Bible and Jesus makes it very clear that before he comes there would be room, wars and rumours of wars, and we're certainly seeing that now, aren't we? Yeah. Yep. I mean, you've got China threatening Taiwan. They're brothers too. Yep. Yep. Um, it, the futility of and, and the lust for power that men have, even in the 21st century, you would think, Hunty, we'd have, we would have learned yeah. from the 20th century, uh, the, 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 most, the most violent yes. century in the history of the world. Yep. Yet here we are in 2022, about 100 years since the end of the mm-hmm. First World War, yep. 80 years or so from the end of the Second World War, and we're on, hunty, make no mistake here, mate, we are on the verge of World War Three. Yep. And if we had a more, how would I put this, if we had a, war, a, a, a more forceful president in the United States of America, we could be in real trouble. Yeah, but even with this president, who's more of a peacenik, although there might be some out there who disagree with me on that, the chances of war between Russia and the West are increasing every day, mm. and it, it's a very serious time. And if you're out there listening and you're a person of prayer, I would suggest, as I have been, that you pray about the Ukraine-Russian 
conflict, that God will give peace. I mean, we don't want to see Ukrainians and Russians dying. We don't want to see that. No. Hunty, on a different news, on a new, different news front here, yep. in Sydney, on that new Crown. Crown Casino, there's an apartment. Top floor. Top floor, three storeys. Yep. Going for $100 million. Now, the problem is usually those who buy those apartments are from overseas. Yes. Our Chinese investors, etc. friends from all over yes, the place. Yes, billionaires. Billionaires. Yes. There are billionaires, plenty of them in Australia too, but they don't seem to be interested in buying this three hundred, this $100 million three-storey apartment. And, and that surprises me. You know why? It's one of the few places in Sydney where you can actually see the ocean. Can you see the ocean from it? Clear as a bell. So you can see the ocean. You, you can, can see, see the right har- over Manly. It's so high up. So you can see the ocean. You can see the Harbour Bridge. Yep. You can see the Opera you know, House. Opera House and Harbour Bridge, clear as a bell. You look straight out to the to the heads, and you can see the ocean. It's three stories. Yeah, with a swimming pool and a spa. Yep, and it's got twenty four hour concierge. It's wonder they don't have a tennis court. Um, they say it's probably worth around seventy million because the the floors below are in the fifties to seventies. Um, but they're charging if you, if you thirty. Packer James Packer has. An apartment three yep. floors below, Down. and it's yep. seventy million. That's right. So I say it probably is worth a hundred. Well, is it worth a hundred million? If I'm a billionaire, a billionaire, I'm yeah. not spending a hundred million on that apartment. But for the, the fact you can see the ocean, uh, no, there? no, I can go and buy a, a house on the ocean a lot cheaper than that and get a better view of the ocean. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think you know I actually have a view here. Um, I have friends. And relatives who, as you know, are pretty well off, mate. Yep. And I actually don't think there's anything wrong with wealth, is there? No. God, if you look at the Bible, there's some pretty wealthy people there. King David, Abraham. In fact, a lot of them are very, very wealthy people. Job. I think the problem is not with wealth. In fact, I reckon it can be a gift, a spiritual gift. Yes. To do business and make money. Absolutely. I think the problem is, is when you don't use your wealth to advance the course. Well, the Bible's very clear. It says it will be very difficult yeah. for a wealthy man to get into heaven because the wealthy man doesn't see the need. Like a Jesus. camel getting through the eye of a needle. Yeah. We've talked about that on this radio program before where have. the eye of a needle over in Jerusalem, in the wall of Jerusalem it's is like... It's the name of the side servant's kind of gate. And they'd put camels through it, but to get the camel mm. through, they made the camel had to get on its knees. knees they had to and, unload and the thing, slither on its belly, and slither on through. through, and then reload it again. Yeah, so an army couldn't rush through it. So, you, so, so a camel could get through the eye That's of a correct. needle, but it was difficult. So That's right. a rich man can get through the eye of a needle, but it's it's mm. all can the, get war, to, the warnings can there. get to heaven, but it's yep. difficult. Why do you think it's difficult? Well, as I said, I think it's because when you're self sufficient, you've got everything this world offers. Why do you see a need for Jesus? Yeah, and if you're wealthy, and You've been given a gift for business or, or you've come into wealth or whatever. I don't think you should look at it as being a curse. Ah, it's, a, it's a great skill to have. It, it's, it's something that you can, you know, all gifts God expects us to use to advance his kingdom. So if you're a great singer, and that's a gift, Yep, you're not hunty, so don't worry. <laughs> but you don't use that gift for God. Well, it becomes a selfish gift, doesn't it? True. Um, and it's... It, You've still got the gift, but you're not using it for the cause. And I think it's the same with every gift, including the gift of business and to do money. If you've got money, if you've got a lot of money, I mean, I'm telling you right now, use it for the cause of God. Amen. This next one, Hunty. Oh. Massive rats. Oh. Tell us about that. Rats the size of house cats. Now, apparently, cats 
apparently these gigantic rats can hold their breath for three minutes. That's okay, but what are they doing? Well, they're swimming up the sewers and up the pipes and coming out of your toilets. <laughs> yeah. they, can, they can swim for three minutes holding their breath. They can tread water for... Oh, two, for a three long days, time. two, yeah. three days. Y- you know what? This bothered me so much, this article. It came from a paper called <laughs> The Sun. Yep. And it is of these giant rats the size of cats yep. that are in the sewers and swimming up through the sewage pipes yep. into people's toilets in their home. That's right. Keep the seat down. And they've got rat <laughs> gates now. Yes. And that is a, that is a mesh gate in your sewage to stop the rat getting through. Correct. Now, I actually was so worried when I read this story <laughs> that I went and found out where this Sun newspaper was writing this from. Yep. And I was relieved to see that it was from the other side of the world in London, England. Oh, right. So we don't mind okay. if the rats are the size of cats in London, England. We just don't want that no, no. here. Now, Hunter, you have yes. seen a pretty big rat because we've got... I have. We, we've, we've got, we've got, got secu- bush rats here in Australia. We've got security in our in our studio, studio. out at the farm yes. just to keep it safe. Yes. Hunty's on that all the time. Yes. You saw a rat not smaller than a cat not long well, ago. We, we saw a rat on, a, on the surveillance footage at least the size of a, of a big boot. Yeah, yeah. A big football shoe. And mind you, any rat that comes into my studios <laughs> walking into Holocaust. Days are numbered. Because there's enough rat sack in that place yep. to, to kill every rat in Australia. <laughs> um, I, I think when I read this, though, I, you know, both you and I have holidayed up at um, Yarra Hapney and Stewart's Point. Great place. One of the things I found funny, but Lizzie, my wife, found very alarming, was up there you get these little green frogs that yep. will come up through the toilet They too. will, yep. Now, they're harmless little fellas. But I was thinking, oh, boy, if they can get through the toilet and the rat can, things are changing. It's like you just said, yep. I'm keeping my keep toilet the lid down. But I was Put reminded a few bricks on it. <laughs> about how the Bible talked in the last days there will be plagues and pestilences like we've never experienced. Yes. And you're starting to see some pretty sobering things happening in some of the major cities of the world. And this one, I'm not saying it's a big deal, but I don't want a cat, I don't want a rat the size of a cat coming up through my toilet. Mm. Uh, There's something horrifying about that. And rats are Mm. great carriers of human disease. Yes. Um, How about this one? A Chinese warship lights up an Aussie warplane. Did you look at this? All I can think of is a petulant primary school age child. Well, you better be careful. I should this. be careful. Do you want me to tell you the full story? Well, has, have the Chinese denied it yet? Yeah, of course. Oh, I thought they hadn't denied it. No, no, they've denied it. Oh, I take it back. Um, north of Australia, there's a strait yep. between New Guinea and Australia. I think it's the Timor Strait. Yep. Now, much of that strait is actually in what's called Australia's economic zone. Now, Australia's economic zone, it is our zone, it is our territory, but international ships are allowed to pass through it. Yep. We can't stop them. But it is our economic zone. What we can do is we can stop them fishing or any other activity like that. So there were two war- Chinese warships going through this strait. Now, I've tried to get the best of, uh, to my ability, the, the real story. It seems that the Australian planes, military warplanes were up there dropping sonar boys near the ships. That's what we do. Which is, which is common enough occurrence when yes. you've got military vessels of another nation passing through your Correct. exclusive security zone. Well, the Chinese took exception to that, and they lit up the Australian warplane with a laser, which okay. actually means what? Do you I, know what that means? I, I, I actually. It, well, when they light up with a laser, it means they've targeted them for a missile. Right. So it's a fairly aggressive uh, response to what the Australians are doing. But the Australians were being pretty aggressive dropping sonar boys in the water. Well, actually, those sonar boys are actually to look for submarines. Uh, yeah, but they do collect other information too. Ma- mainly sonic 
they do collect other information. Mm. And so the, the Aussies were, were, were in it, but it's, it's turned into a great big spat between China and Australia. I read a Chinese-English newspaper every day called The Daily... Oh, what's that newspaper? Well, you find... Let me tell you, you probably barely believe this. The I've Global Times. Been, I've actually been in the Australian plane that drops these sonar boys into the ocean while it's been happening, mm. and I've got to look on the big green screen... And search for submarines in our waters. It's such an amazing science. Well, it's called the the Global Times, the Chinese oh, English. Right. Yeah. Yep. And of course, it's all Australia's fault. And if you talk to Australia, it's all China's fault. But it just got <laughs> to show me again how fragile things yes. are between nations. Yes. Alrighty. Well, I think maybe it's we, time we haven't, now. No, 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 we haven't no, finished. We haven't done. What about a good story? Well, I was going to say it's time for the for a good news story. Oh, I thought you were going to. I no, thought you were no. moving us on. No, I've I've got my. I've got my run sheet up there, and while you cough up a lug, how is your COPD going? Oh, I'm coughing today because I forgot to take my trilogy last night. Oh, dear. And, and if I, think, I was talking to you earlier. I don't like the idea that when I don't take my medicine, I yeah, cough. No. But, no, but that's what's happening. Um, what's the good news story, well, Hunty? possibly my favourite food on this entire planet is in this story, and it's not the Vegemite. But as a welcome gift to tourism that's restarted in Australia as of yesterday, as a welcome gift, we're handing out little plushies, which are little fairy koala bears, small little plastic tubs of Vegemite, and my all-time favourite, Tim Tams. I'm a witness to the fact I've seen Hunty inhale an entire packet of Tim Tams. Three minutes. An ad break, I can inhale an entire packet of Tim Tams. Maybe less than three minutes. You know, I haven't done that for a year or two now. I'm behaving. No, but I'm going to buy you a packet soon. Are you just? Yeah, I am. See if I can still behave. Oh, I'm sure you can't. (laughs) (laughs) But isn't it amazing the day Australia opens, we give them Tim Tams at the airport and close the trains down and go on strike. You're welcome to Australia now. Walk to your hotel. (laughs) Yeah, we'll give you Tim Tams, but there's there's no transport to get you anywhere. But you know, when I was looking at these news stories, again, it's the same story every week, Hunty. Yep. Uh, the rats, plagues, the penthouse, the rich spending more and more money on themselves and the poor getting poorer and poorer. So it seems, doesn't it, Hunty? It does. And then you look at the wars and the rumours of war, even being impacted by Australia and China. Not that we're any competition for China, but the fact that there's tension. We are certainly living in a world... Where we need to look up. Yep. Look east. Yep. Why east? That's where the Lord's going to return from. Yeah. Look yeah. up. Look east. Jesus is coming soon. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Auntie. Yeah. You chose the songs this week. I did. So because you chose the songs, you're going to introduce this first one. And can I say this much? Yeah. I know for a fact yeah. that this guy. Is very special to you. And oh, introducing him, very maybe special. you can tell us whether you've ever met him or done any work for him. No, no, never met him, never done any work from him. But as a, as a teenager, um, I inhaled his music like I probably should have been inhaling my Bible. But his words and his scripture songs were straight from the Bible. So when, you, I, when you said inhale, do you, do you mean listen? listen to him oh, around listen. the clock. Is that a new word, inhaled music? Or? Oh, dear. <laughs> I inhaled his... Lloyd's pointing his laser at me. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a bad return. Sorry, I'll let you go ahead. So Keith Graham, what a lovely man, killed tragically in the prime of his life, but um, he was such a beautiful Christian at his concerts. If you liked his music and went to the merch table, that's the merchandise table at the back after the concert to get his latest album, they were free. He said, if you can't afford it, take it. You need it to be blessed. 
If you can afford it, sure, leave a donation. Anyway, this song's one of my favourite. It's entitled, by Keith Green, There Is a Redeemer. Except, except that's not Keith Green. And that isn't, there is a redeemer. Let me hit another button. God's own Son, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy One, Jesus, my Redeemer, name above all names, precious Lamb of We were going to start uh, one song, but another song yeah, came there's on. There's a technical term for what happened. Yeah. Um, it's often described <laughs> as the fickle I... finger of fate. <laughs> <laughs> That's as far as you're prepared to open, eh? Yes. <laughs> I'll tell you what, you came back pretty fast and fixed it up, Woo-hoo. though, didn't you? Yeah. Love um, it. We've started a new program. Yes, a very exciting on new Parser. program. Tell yes. us about that quickly. Yeah, we've just launched into um, Instagram and TikTok. 
Yep. And they have a, a prescribed time limit for videos of three minutes. So we've decided to create a new format that's two minutes, 59.99 seconds long. And we made a start on that last week, actually. And it didn't go too well, actually, to be honest with you. I thought it went really, really well. Until you looked at it. Until we edited it together. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's actually, normally our television programs are 28 minutes 30. That's right. And we do shorter um, programs for yep. our... 7 to 10 minutes. F- for Facebook and YouTube yep. and for our platforms. How many platforms does the Aussie Pastor go out on? Approximately 10 at the moment. Okay, so every say look if we're doing a live worship service on a Sabbath morning, yep, it's going out to what ten or oh, more, pla- more. So, so it's on YouTube and Facebook, but it also winds up on Hope Channel Satellite TV. Okay, yep. we did a pretty interesting program, even though we've got to go back and reshoot it, which is a, a shame because we got this beautiful day to we shoot did. last beautiful. week, and, and this week we want to go back to to reshoot it with our cameras mm. and. And the weather's lousy. It's prediction, the forecast is rain and thunderstorms all week. Yeah, because we didn't get it right, we have to go reshoot it. What do you actually, just for our listeners so they get an idea, what sort of camera do you use these days to shoot your professional? Oh, my goodness. This is a secret I wasn't planning on telling anybody. Okay. <laughs> but now you've asked. You don't have to if you I, don't want no, to. I'll come clean now. Yep. Uh, we are currently trialling the latest iPhone 13 Pro Max. Mm. With all its whiz-bang features and 4K camera, yep. it's actually providing us a slightly better picture than our old dinosaur camera. Which is so, amazing, really, isn't but it? But our dinosaur camera, when we got it, was state-of-the-art. It, it's, well, it's not really a dinosaur camera. It's only, what, a year or two old? It's uh, three or four. We had it for three or four years. So we started New Hope Church, nearly? Oh, it's maybe. No, we got it after that. Yeah. Anyway. It's a 4K camera, in, though, in isn't te- it? The, no, the, no. Isn't it? No. Ah, so okay. in technology, a, a camera dies every in two years. A camera's old in, te- in this kind of world. Yeah, yeah. So, but the w- benefits of this new camera to us are exceptional because with Apple's cloud service and backup, we're actually able to back up our, our work product on location while we're travelling. Yeah, the yeah. phone just sends okay. it to the cloud straight away. Uh, so there's some benefits. Enough there. of that technology. Yeah, enough. Blah, blah. We we're doing a program there down on the beach at a place called Little Bay. Now, if you live in Sydney, Little Bay is one of the most amazing. Uh, beaches we have. It's just, it really is a, a beach that, it, that is in what you'd call a U cove, a cove in the shape of yep. a U. Yep. Uh, and it goes point to point and then the beach, beautiful white little beach goes beautiful around in the beach. cove. Because it's in a, in, in kind of a U shape, it doesn't get a whole lot of surf. So if you're into surfing, you don't go to little cove. But there no. was a man, 35 year old, a regular at Little Bay. Yep. Did I say little cove? Little you might, Bay. You might have Little Bay. Yeah. Yep. A regular at Little Bay. And he lived about 10 k's away from Little Bay. And what he'd do is he'd, get, he'd, he'd run down the little, car, little Bay with his wetsuit on, a wetsuit on, <laughs> with his backpack on. He'd get there and then he'd get into a wetsuit. He was a pom. He was an Englishman. So I suppose he felt the cold, hunty. I don't right. know. Right. But he'd get into his wetsuit even in summer and he'd swim from point to point there at Little Bay. And he was training for a ocean race yep. that was to happen this last Saturday. Yes. So he would, what, swim a couple of k's back and forward in the ocean? He was going between the two heads. Yeah, something, yep. something that I've never been a real fan of for, for the reason I'm about to share with you. Well, he was partway through his swim last Wednesday. He got attacked by a shark. And they're not so sure, Hunty, what type of shark it was, whether it was a, a, um, a bull shark, a bull shark or a great white. It, it might have been, it might have been a, a great white, they think. But unfortunately, that great white tore the man apart. And he was only 35 years old. He left a fiance. Yep. 
he was about, he would have been married before last Wednesday, but COVID held him up. That's right. So he left his fiance, his mates here in Sydney from the UK, and his mates behind. And it, 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 you know, we were going down to do the program really to highlight again the fragility of life. Do you remember what the key point of our program was, Hunty? Can you remember? I remember the story you told about your friend Lyndon at the end. That's right. Lyndon, who's a, who's a surfer, if he's listened to us, lives up in Kingscliff. Yep. He goes surfing with his two daughters, actually. Yep. Two of his three daughters are into surfing. That's cool. And uh, I said to him, we were up there for a wedding, remember, hunting. I said, Lyndon, because I'm an ex-surfer. You know that, I Yeah, I do. And yeah. the reason, I can tell you truthfully, the reason I got out of the surf, not just that I got married, didn't have a lot of time for it, it was the sharks. Right. Because I was noticing more and more sharks in the water. Huh. And I thought, I've had enough of this, and I got out. And I said, Lyndon, how do you go out and surf like you do? What did he say? You remember? Uh, or shall I save you? Yeah, yeah. Save I'd me. love oh, to. I remember. Well, my paraphrase is not good. Oh, you're always good paraphrases, mate. <laughs> he said, look, I walk with God. Yep. I try not to do things that are unnecessarily dangerous. Yes. But we love a surf. It draws us closer to the Lord. It gets us out in nature. Yep. It's good exercise. And he says, every time we surf these days, we pray before we go out. But he did say this. Life is fragile. Yep. You don't know when your time is up. And so that's why it's important to me, said Lyndon, yes. that I walk with God. Amen. Because whether I live, like Paul said, whether I live or whether I die, I'm with God. Yep. My life is in his hands. Yeah. Whether I live or I die, I am with God. Yes. And it just got me thinking, you know, we don't know, do we, Hunty? How brief life can be. That's right. I mean, the other week I'm backing the ride on mower. Yes. Off the trailer. Yes. The, the ramp collapsed. The ramp collapsed. That yeah. mower could have, many people in Australia die from similar accidents. Yes. By yourself out on a farm. Yep. And, and, and you, the, the, the mower falls down off the trailer. The mower turns upside down, lands on someone. Yep. That's the end of your life. They're heavy things. Yeah. When I, when I raced out to grab you that night, I had fears you had a punctured lung, broken bones. I was quite worried for you. Well, because life is fragile. Mm. And the fact is you live out there, and, and especially when you're young, you think you're going to live forever, but you don't. You don't live forever. And life is fragile. Mm. And sooner or later, all of us are going to leave this planet. Yep. Your dad died, what, a year or so back? years ago, yep. My dad's very sick at the moment, and we don't know how much longer he'll go. Time is up, but sometimes you're not old. You're like this fellow, you're young. Mm. And the reality is, because life is fragile, and it's got to be more than this, we need a hope, and that hope is Jesus. Jesus. And if you have Jesus in your life, if you're in his presence, if he is your saviour, then no matter what happens to you, and I find great peace and great assurance and great hope in this, no matter what happens to you, hunty, you're going to be okay. Now, I don't think that means we can we should necessarily expose ourselves to foolish risks. Mm, true. Do you know what the risk is was of that man swimming and being eaten by a shark? I don't. I do. I looked it up. What's that? One in a million. Oh, dear. I think it's the first person to take a shark in my lifetime in Sydney. I think you might be right because I think the last one was 1963, a year before you were born. That's right. That was an actress who was killed in Sydney Harbour. Yeah. And so the risks of being eaten by a shark in Australia, despite the news, are very low. Yep. And so you could argue that he really was not taking a foolish risk. But unexpectedly, 
he died. Today in Australia, there will be people who unexpectedly die. Some follow the Lord. Yep. Others don't. We don't know where that young man was with the Lord. I don't know. Mm. Some follow the Lord. Some don't. If you follow the Lord, when your time is up, you will die if you even know about it. But if you know about it, you'll die in peace mm. with hope and with great assurance because this is not the end. Jesus is coming again, and when he does, he's coming for you. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. All righty. Because, well, because you... <laughs> <laughs> because you love that, didn't you? I was going to say, while Lloyd unmutes his mic, I'm going to get started. <laughs> That's two today. I'm not on fire today at all. Um, get started. Go. Okay. Um, before we play our next song, um, I want to give you guys another plug for our Ask Tells Your Pastor segment. So if you have any questions, we'd love to hear from you. You can text them to us on 0488 880851 or you can email them to us in the address is info at aussiepastor.com. So send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. Hunty. Yes. If they send you a question now. Yeah, can we can hang on it right now. Have you got room to put it we up today? We just got one from Michael Carr a few seconds ago. Okay. So you can definitely put them up. Yep. I see them here from David Edgar just arrived as well. Okay. So, yeah, we can certainly put them straight in. So, anyway, this next song is by one of my favourite artists, like Keith Green, one of my absolute favourites, Michael W. Smith. He also uses a lot of scripture in his songs. And he and his wife, Debbie, wrote this song one night just before church. They lit a few candles. They were around the, the Bible. They were studying together, and he was impressed by the Lord to write this song, and it's entitled, Great is the Lord.
good is that, eh? Beautiful song, Hunty. Still going. Seems, seems to be going on and on. But it's I a great song. Was it meant to take that long then? Well, because it's, it's a big song with a big finish. Oh, okay, so that's a nice big pipe organ. Oh, yeah. You know the text I was looking for, yep. Hunty, when it comes to life and how fragile it is? And it was this one, Second Timothy 1 verse 12. Paul saying, I know who I've believed. Oh, yeah. I'm convinced that he's able to look after me and everything that I've entrusted to him. That's Second Timothy 1 verse 12. And I think that's how we've got to be with our life. Nice. Life is fragile. We never know when it's going to go or when we're going to be here. And really, you and me have been alive long enough now. We've lost mates. Yeah. I've lost mates in yep. motorcycle accidents, which was sudden and savage. Same. Uh, I've lost them. Uh, we've lost them from cancer, from sickness, from all sorts of different things. And we've been alive long enough to know that life is fragile. But if you know who you've believed in, who is Jesus, and you've got your hope in him, so whether you live or die... In Christ, you're going to be okay. It's a big deal, mate. Mm. It is a big deal. Okay, where are we up to? It's time for Ask the Aussie Pastor. Uh, your favourite segment. Absolutely. I'm starting you off with what I reckon is the toughest question you've been given this year. Well, we're only into our second or third program. Yeah, I know, so right? I'm figuring that might be all right. So put on your seatbelt. Just buckle up, oh, here we go. All right. Okay. Oh, I'm struggling to put it on, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Too much Christmas cheer. Yeah. All right, here we go. Question one. Um... I remember watching one of your videos some time ago where you discussed being unequally yoked in marriage. Okay. And I'm in a situation where I'm engaged to an atheist. We've been dating for four years, and during that time I've tried to share the gospel, but he continues to show no interest in knowing Jesus. Okay. I'm a single mum of three girls, and so I'm worried that if I marry him, what impact will this have on my girls long term? I was just wanting to reach out for your advice or counsel on this matter, please, because I want to make a sound decision about whether or not I leave this relationship, which will be tough, because I do love him. Thank you. Okay. The, th- the first thing I'd like to say, I'm thinking about this very real question mm-hmm. from a very real listener. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, my prayers are with you because you, you are in a very, very challenging and difficult place in life. Yep. Um, I've been a single father myself, hunty. Yep, I know what it's like to raise kids alone. It's, yep. it's not easy. And I know what a wonderful thing it is to have a partner, someone who loves you, and how difficult when they do genuinely love you and it's a good man or a good woman, how difficult it is when they don't love Jesus and you're kind of torn between your love for Christ and your love for your partner. Yep. So I want to say two things. The first thing is I think this is such a complex issue that you should get some advice from a Christian counsellor slash pastor. Go and get some advice because uh, it, it's even yeah, even yeah. listening to that, we haven't got the whole story. Yeah, perhaps share some more details. Yeah. yeah. But the second thing is this, and I just want to talk. Now, I've got to be careful. I don't know that I'm talking entirely exactly at you, dear sister, mm. but I'm talking to general principles, and the general biblical principle is don't marry someone who doesn't love Christ. I see advice I give to my two sons. It's the advice I give to my daughters. I used to say to my daughters as they were growing up, and they're growing up now, Hunty. One's already, yep. one one's already got a very serious uh, fiance, actually. Yep. Uh, and the other ones uh, is, is well, the other two, the son and the daughter, they're at the age where they're choosing partners. And the little fellow, well, we don't have to worry about him yet, <laughs> Hunty. I love to tease him. Yep. He's fifteen, and I give him heaps. But the thing is this: I used to advise my kids, and I still do. Don't marry someone who's not just a Christian but is not a born-again Christian. Yep. I think it's that serious, mate. Marriage is is something where you want to be completely together. And I can't imagine 
there's an area in your life and in your marriage where you want to be more together than with Christ. And I marry people and I tell them God's worked a miracle today. Both of you have walked in and he's created a family. But that family is not a family of two. It's a family of three. Yep. Christ and the husband and the wife. For your case, um, sister, I think you've got what? What's two or three kids? Uh, three girls. So you got, this is a marriage now of, of you, uh, your husband, if mm-hmm. he becomes your husband. But Christ would struggle to get into it. And I think marriage is really hard without Christ. Yes. And very difficult. So I would suggest great caution. Go get more counselling, more help. I don't want to be flippant about this, but I would be very, very, and I, I talk generally to everybody out there listening, especially if there's any, I don't know whether young people would even listen to us, auntie, but <laughs> if there was any young people out there listening, when you're choosing a partner, right at the very top of the requirements should be a born-again uh, follower of Jesus Christ. When I married Liska, that was at the top of the yep. the top of the list. Was she? And she was. Was she? And she still is. And she's been a great blessing to me, hunty. Yes. And my wife has actually been able to, through the leading of Christ, pinpoint some pretty serious weaknesses in me that helped bring about my the the, the destruction of my first marriage. And she's been able to point them out to me gently, and with her arms around me, supporting me. Help me to overcome some of these really bad habits and bad practices I had in my life, and yep. I and I just think, I, I just think you want a husband or a wife like that. So I I would just encourage great caution, and yep. and I, I don't know what else to say, Hunty. Probably don't marry someone who doesn't love Jesus. Put it to prayer as well. Yeah, but oh, it's a big thing. And I, a, I, I told you it was a hard question. Yeah, just personally mm. myself, I wouldn't mm. do it. But I, I, I'm not saying break up. I'm not saying um, destroy the relationship. It's just something with God and with counselling you need to work through. And I'm pretty sure God would want you to give yourself to someone who loves him. Mm. Well, we certainly both, Lloyd and I, pray that God will bless you in this yeah. decision. But let's move on to the next question. Yeah, yeah. Eh? Uh, we got a great supporter in Western Australia, and he sent us a great question. Yeah, Here we go. Dear Brother Lloyd Gollamond, is it wrong to pray and ask to be able to hear his still small voice for correct direction in life according to his perfect will instead of hearing it from a prophet of God? Regards. Well, I'm pretty careful of still small voices. Yeah, okay. Because a lot of still small voices in my head and myself and my wife. <laughs> Unfortunately, you're in there, hunty. <laughs> Um, most of my guidance, and I've said this before, 99.9% of my guidance comes from that still small voice I hear when I'm studying and reading my Bible. Yep. And so I'm relying on the voice of God in my Bible study. It's not the only way God speaks to us, but for me personally, it's the only way I can 100% guarantee it's from the Lord. So when I'm doing my Bible study, Hunty, I'm listening to the Lord and how he talks yep. through my Bible study, and he talks very plainly, very simply, and I can hear him, I can understand it, and it's never done me wrong. Yep. So I'm listening for God's voice in the Bible mostly. The reason I, I don't trust still small voices in my head, I'm sure God's there, and he is. But sometimes I struggle to recognise a still small voice from my own or someone else's because we've all got a thousand voices in our head. So I'd suggest mostly mm-hmm. when you come to decisions, yep. hearing the voice of God, go to your Bible, find your Bible. it there. But it's not yep. there. I'm, I'm not close to the idea that God comes and talks to people. Yep. Uh, it just hasn't happened to me a whole lot. Yep. Well, we, we certainly pray that God will bless you in your decision making as well. Yeah. Alrighty. Next question. Was the Bible written with chapters and verses? No. 
Surprise, surprise. Really? No. So the book of Genesis was just written as a book. There's 66 books. And they're all just books. There was not one written with Bible and verses, uh, Bible chapters and verses. The huh. Bible chapters and the verses came in later. Hmm. Yeah, probably 1600s, 1700s. I can go. I can go look that up, Hunty, and come with an answer if you want and when the actual chapters and verses went in. But I think that was certainly led by God because by having chapters and verses in the Bible, it's made it a lot easier for us to find specific passages. Yes, yes. And so I thank God for the, for the chapters and the verses. Yep. Um, someone told me once that it was a Frenchman who did that in a carriage on his way from somewhere to Paris. Now, I don't know whether that's correct, but <laughs> wow. I reckon that question's worth following up, Hunty. So that's another one. Yep, yep, we'll there, there, there was one on the three days, remember, on, on the three days in the tomb? Yep. We haven't forgotten that, listeners, and this is another one that we will come back to. Because Actually, I'll come back next week with a specific answer to that one, Hunty. Nice. I reckon it's worth giving a, a specific answer. Where did these chapters and verses come from? But I know it wasn't as long ago as you might think. Excellent. Yeah. All right, this next question might divide you and me. Let's see. Uh, what do you believe, Pastor Lloyd? What do you believe is the Bible position on euthanasia? I'm sympathetic to euthanasia. Me too. I have been around 31 years in this job and I've seen people die some terrible deaths. And me I'm talking too. really, really painful. Me too. But... I can't escape the fact that God... So although I'm sympathetic, I also understand what God says in the Bible about life. So let me tell you he about said, my mum. Wait there. Okay. It is holy. Yep. It is sacred. And it's not ours to give and or to take. To take. The Bible is clear on that. Now tell us about your mum. Died a very painful death of cancer. Um, this is very hard for me to talk about, but I was with her to the end, and I think we treat pets humanely when they're in pain at the end. We we put pets out of their misery. Are you, are you suggesting that we maybe should 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 use caution when it comes to putting our loved ones out of their misery? Again, I empathise because I've seen people die. But I can only reiterate what the Bible says, that life is holy and it's not ours to give or to take. And yet I understand the ramifications all too clearly of what I just said. And some people will say, and I understand this too, well, that's too black and white, Lloyd. I, I just sometimes you've got to make a stand on scripture, even though it can make you feel a bit uncomfortable. And I think for me, that's one of those stands because I was, if I was in pain, a lot of pain, I'd be happy for my life to end in euthanasia. But I recognise what God says, and so I can guarantee you this, Auntie, my life won't end in euthanasia. I thank God on the bright side that we do live in a medical reality where they're able to help us with pain enormously yeah so i think that's that's a difficult question mate and okay i wish i could i'm sorry f- for you mate that you, you yeah, watched your I, mum die in pain like I, that i, I know did. the story I and, did. Mm. but I, but i'm just 
you know, she walked that road. She walked the dark veil with Jesus, and she, your mum, did do that. Mm-hmm. She did do that. She was a good lady. But I, right, I, 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 respect, I respect Hunty. People's different views on this. Yeah, let, let's yeah. move to the next question. Yep. Is there any sin that God cannot forgive? No. <laughs> I feel like I've committed most of them, so <laughs> <laughs> so I'm probably evidence that God can forgive just about anything. No, nah, there's not. There's not. It, it doesn't matter how dirty and grimy and rotten and bad the sin is. It can be illegal. It can put you in jail. In, f- in fact, in some countries, you can commit sins that will give you the death penalty. We saw that with the two boys in Indonesia, didn't we, Hunty, yeah, with we the did. drugs? we did. Um, and their sins were pretty serious too. Those guys were pushing drugs that were killing people um, and the state would not forgive them. But there is no sin that God cannot forgive. There is nowhere you can go which is far enough away that God cannot reach you if you let him, cannot cleanse you, cannot save you. And there's going to be a lot of what I call doggone sinners mm. in the kingdom mm who you would say don't deserve to be there, who are guilty of the most horrendous sins. But Jesus found them and Jesus saved them and they'll be there and there's a lot of people who think they're pretty good who won't be. And so I think uh, you, if, you, if you're a sinner and you've been in darkness and you feel like you're too far away for Jesus to reach you, don't, don't believe that. You get on your knees somewhere quiet and you ask Jesus in your, to your heart to be your saviour and to forgive you. And though the whole world, you can be in a place where your dog won't forgive you, mate. That means something. <laughs> that does. Jesus you're will. You're in trouble. <laughs> Jesus will. There's nothing Jesus cannot forgive you for. Alrighty, moving no, on. No, well, 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 doesn't mean there won't be some ramifications. Sometimes there is. But That's Jesus right. will That's forgive right. you. You can be sitting in a jail cell for your sins yes. and the whole world can turn against That's you. That's right. Including mum and dad and parents and family and the rest of them. Yes. Jesus will not if you come to him. That's right. That's what's so glorious about Jesus. He forgives anything. He saves us. Yes. And he, he, he re- renews us, recreates. It's a beautiful thing, mate. Beautiful indeed. Yeah. Yep, alrighty. Can Christians, is it okay for Christians to own guns? Well, I hope so because you've owned a few. I have. I have. <laughs> uh, that's a good, that must have come out of America, that question, because in Australia. We do have a bunch of uh, listeners in the US listen to us on in the internet. Yeah, it's pretty hard to own a gun in Australia, isn't it, mate? Yeah, you'd to be a farmer or have a good reason. Well, yeah, well, I'm a farmer and even I would struggle to get a gun. Well, you'd have to have a good reason, you know, plagues of shooting, rats or shooting rabbits rats or something, or yep. rabbits or things like yep, that. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's all right for Christians own guns, but I must say, Hunty, it, and you're you've been a gun owner. For all I know, you are a gun owner, but <laughs> but um, it's 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 kind of a little bit disconcerting when you see Christians in America walking around with guns on their back in these vigilante uh, <laughs> groups. Do you know what I mean? It is a and, bit. And it's a bit uncomfortable for me when I see Christians leading the gun charge in America too. I, I think if you've got a reason for a gun, if you're a farmer, my dad was a farmer. He had an old three hundred three uh, behind the wardrobe which he used to use in farming. It was sometimes very sad where he'd have to put a cow down who was yep. hurt or whatever. There was a reason for the gun. Um Sometimes people want guns for sport. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to have guns, so I'm certainly not going to say Christians shouldn't have guns, but if you've got guns, I think you better be careful how you use them. Yes. And I don't think you should have guns to threaten or kill other people. And even when it comes to self-defence, mate, even if I lived in the United States where guns are allowed, I'm not having a gun over there. I don't need a gun. I've got a big gun. I've got a big gun. That's it. His name's Jesus Christ. That's right. I'm going to trust him to look after me. So, yeah, Christians can own guns, but I think you need to be careful if you are a Christian and ask yourself, why have I got that gun and how am I going to use it? Why have I got it? That's the real question, isn't it, Hunty? Indeed. All right, three questions to go. 
Oh, I did, thought you'd spend more time on that one. Well, <laughs> I, I wanted to, but I'd get in trouble. Okay. Did Jesus ever sin? No. That was a quick answer. Yeah, the Bible's very clear. Jesus was without sin. Perfect. Always has been, always will be, never sinned. He can't be the saviour if he'd sinned. So, yeah, the Bible says very clearly Jesus was without sin. That's right. So, yeah, no, Jesus never sinned. That is an easy one. Okay, are Christians the only ones to go to heaven? Wow. I know, right? Isn't that sort of self-explanatory? Uh, Isn't that question answer itself? We're about to get the boss of the Australian Union Conference. It's the boss oh, yeah. of the church in Australia. I'm going to ask him that, that question up front. I can see him. He, he can, can hear us. That. He can hear us. So before we get into the questions that we've already discussed with your Pastor Terry, I'm going to ask you that question in a minute. <laughs> um, I, I, I think my short answer is I would not know because I'm not the judge who will be in heaven and who won't. That's right. But I know Jesus says, I am the only way to the Father. So, you, yeah, be a believer. But I think you better be very careful when you get into judging on who will be in heaven and who won't. Because for a long time, I've thought, you won't be, hunty. <laughs> thanks, thanks for that vote of confidence. <laughs> I know where your skeletons are married too, you know. <laughs> but then I heard that you had chosen Jesus Amen. as your saviour. Every day. Yeah, and because you've chosen Jesus as your saviour, I've got full expectation that when Jesus comes, because you made that choice, you will be there. Now, Amen. although you're faulty and though I'm faulty, though we sin and though we fall, we have Jesus as a saviour, we follow him, we ask for the Holy Spirit, we're born again, and we're covered by his grace. And that's the most beautiful message of the gospel. Yes. Um, and so I, I just don't want to judge. That's that's basically my answer, except to say if you're listening to this uh, broadcast and you haven't chosen Jesus as your saviour, as the Bible says, now is the day to do that. Absolutely. Okay, mate. Last question. Yep. Do you know what a prepper is? Yeah. Well, this last question is, should Christians be I reckon I, Let's tell our audience hey, what a prepper hey, is. I'm a bit of a prepper, you, I like, Let me tell our listeners no, no, don't, how don't, much of a don't, prepper you no, are. No, oh, I'm going no, to start Ter- this. No, no. Terry Johnson's listening. I don't want him <laughs> thinking I'm a prepper or I'll, I'll get sent out. I'm telling you, Michael, in case there's something to say. <laughs> right, so I was out I was out at Pastor Lloyd's farm the other day, stumbling around in the dark, and how many... <sighs> How many things of rice did I fall across? <laughs> I have a, a couple of um, um, garbage cans full of rice, basically um, as a, a, a t- to feed you when you're out there oh, yeah, working the lunch, for me. Yeah, yeah. So, and I'll tell you what, he he moves through those cans of rice pretty quickly too. <laughs> I walked into that one, didn't I? <laughs> All right. So, should Christians be preppers? Uh I think Christians should trust in Christ. You know, zombie apocalypse type preppers. Yeah, yeah, no, I think, well, do, well how would you define a prepper, Hunter? I think a prepper is a person with a room in their house with a year's supply of food, guns, ammo, batteries, fuel, generator, someone who's spent probably fifty or a hundred thousand dollars on stocking up in stuff. Well, that doesn't define you or me. No, it doesn't. We're not preppers. No. Um, I, I tend to live my life day by day relying on the Lord Jesus Christ. It means I'm not, I'm not, I'm not foolish. If, if for some reason I thought that Australia was going to run short of food for a couple of months, I'd probably stock up like everybody else has. I don't think it's a bad idea to have a couple of weeks of food stocked up in your pantry, do you? No, even a month. I, I think it's a good idea. I don't think yep. there's a problem yep. for that. But I, I, I certainly, as we plunge into end times, I'm not going to be relying on, on, on my pantry to get me through. Am I a prepper? Not really. Are you, Hunty? No. No, not no. at all. Should we be preppers? I'll tell you what, you, you want to be a prepper, if the prepare means being prepared, again, you have Jesus as your saviour. 
you walk through these end times with him, that's about the best prepper, I, preparation, prepping I can ever think of. So there you go, Indeed. Hunter. There's my answer to that. Alrighty. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Hunting. Alrighty. Where are we with the music? Well, fingers crossed when I hit the button it plays this time, but coming up after this next song is our boss, Terry Johnson. Look forward to talking to him. But anyway, before that... It's worth noting before before we we go to Terry Johnson (laughs) that both you and I are older than him. That's right. So he is... What do they say about respecting your elders? He is our (laughs) boss, but we are his elders. His seniors. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I've got him on mute, so he has no right of reply. Here we go. This next song is by my absolute favourite... Christian group. They're a bunch of Seventh-day Adventist kids called Faith First, and this is probably my favourite Christian song on the planet. It's called Beyond the Open Door. In the things familiar We find security Resisting all the changes The days and years can bring When God decides to lead you Through an open door Inviting you to walk in realms You've never known before Living day 
Monty, there's a chance that you actually mixed that song. There's a chance I mixed a few milliseconds of it, yes. Yeah, because you used to work with Faith First. I did, Faith, talk, I did talk with them, is yes. Is it Faith First? Faith First, yeah. Faith First. Just remind us, who are they? They're a, they're a, they're a Seventh Adventist Christian group. Um, actually, they're not all Adventists, are they? Scott two, Reed, two, two of them aren't. Andrea and Shaney, Judge Shaney Deal. So they're a half Adventist, half Christian group. Three quarters Adventist. Is it? Yes. Okay. Yes. Pastor Terry Johnson, welcome. Hello, Lloyd, Hunty, and uh, listeners. Good so boss. good to be with you. We, we'll be on our best behaviour today because just remind us what position you actually have in the Australian church. Well, I'm the lead pastor for all of the ministers of the Seventh Adventist Church in Australia, and the title is President of the Australian Union of Conferences. Which, seriously, for other churches would be similar to Cardinal Bishop. or Archbishop. Yeah, that's right. Of the, of, the, uh, of the Australian Church. You're based in Melbourne? I am, and have only been here now for uh, three and a half weeks, almost four weeks. Oh, really? Do you like Melbourne? You know what? I just flew into Sydney and back yesterday and today, and I've got to say that the traffic in Melbourne, even though the city is very similar, is so much nicer, but other remember, than going north. Hey, 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 remember, though, we are in a train strike here. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's true. And I experienced that this morning on the M5. <laughs> it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. I was just telling the listeners before, I had to go to Melbourne yesterday to pick my wife up um, and drive her home, and... I got to the train station at four thirty in the morning, and they told me there was a train strike. And I'm on my way to the airport, so I had to wake Hunty up. And that was that was one of the delightful, uh, <laughs> one of the perks. Yeah, one of the perks of yesterday. I enjoyed ringing him. Actually, when I rang him up, he turned his phone off, so I had to ring his wife up. <laughs> <laughs> that made that made it really high stakes for you. It did actually. I didn't want to do it. It was very gross. Hey, but and and just so before we get into these questions, I want to talk to you about. Um, some of the questions that have been coming in from listeners, and yes. I thought it would be good to hear from the lead pastor on these questions because there's a you know I sent the questions to you. There's a lot of stuff running around about these sort of questions, which is some of it good, unfortunately some of it not so good. Um, but Look, I I'll, thought I thought the question that you ended off with in the last segment, which yes. is, are only Christians the ones that are going to be? Well, that's saved what I was about to heaven. ask you as we start. What what is your view on that? Yeah, look, I think I think the answer to that is no. It's not just Christians, but uh, again, I I rest in the same area as you do that we don't want to be judgmental. Obviously, Christians are people who follow Christ, and um, the Bible says that salvation only comes through Jesus Christ. But we don't know what their experience is or were, right? And mm-hmm. when you're looking at Scripture, there's some wonderful passages that give us an indication that uh, people who were pagan were accepted into the family of God. Mm. Uh, The story of Tamar in Genesis chapter 38, she never becomes a follower of Jesus as such. Do you still hear me? I can hear you. Yeah, it just just cut out for a split second, but we've got you now. Yeah, sorry, there seems to be some kind of an issue. If you can't uh, hear us, I'll give you a quick call on the phone. Can you I hear? I can it? hear you. Oh, yeah, you can, can hear, hear us you. now. Okay. I was going to yeah. blame Hunty's lousy internet on that, actually. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to blame Apple. It's it's uh, it's interfering with uh, with things at the moment. Okay. But what I was saying, what I was saying, is that uh, Tamar is actually listed in Matthew chapter one in the lineage of Jesus. But my favorite one actually comes from Second Kings chapter five, and it's the story of Naaman, who was the uh, general of a pagan army. Yep who was in essence baptized seven times, and when he went back to his country, he makes this very strange request in Second Kings chapter 5, verse 17. Then Naaman said, If not, please let there be given to your servant two mule earths 
loads of earth. From now on, your servant will not offer burnt offerings or sacrifice to any god but the Lord. And in this matter, may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master goes into the house of a false god, Rimam, to worship, he will be leaning on my arm. And I myself will bow in the house of Rimam, not because of me, but because of my master. And when I bow, may the Lord pardon your servant in this matter. And uh, the prophet actually says, go in peace. So there is a sense, you know, that uh, God understands the constraints that humanity is in and that God is looking God is looking at the inside. What's happening inside the heart has a lot more to do with where he believes you to be or knows you to be than what's happening on the outside. I mean, the easy answer to that in reality is none of us are God. Yeah. We, we, we don't know who's saved and who's not. And perhaps sometimes we, we delve too far into that question, Terry. Yeah. Because we're just yeah. not, the reality is we are not God. And, and isn't that good to know? It's but a relief. The challenge for religion, right, and for all religions, is that we like to have our borders well-defined. Yeah. This is what makes you a believer. This is what makes you a Seventh-day Adventist or a Catholic or a Lutheran. Or this is what makes you an atheist. Atheists have their own sense of, of uh, their divides as well. And so humanity as a whole likes to belong to a particular group. I happen to be a fan of Liber- Liverpool Football Club in England. Hey, 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 and, hey, hey. Me too. Yeah, fantastic. Something we, we didn't know about each other. Seller and uh, isn't he fantastic? Oh, he's amazing. He, you know, he, he's, I think he plays on the right wing a lot of the time, doesn't he? Yes, both he and Mane. And, yeah. uh, wow. And the wonderful thing about that hey, is that you they just actually have up. this hymn. You just went yeah. up in my – my. Uh, this, in Australia, we don't find many Liverpool fans. They're mostly yeah. Manchester United or – I actually like Liverpool and I like Tottenham. I probably got yes. offside with you there, but yeah, no, yeah. I'm I'm okay with Tottenham because they beat Manchester City this week. So that yeah, was a very and that good was a good that was that was a <laughs> that was a very good win in the last minute where Harry Kane headed. See, I'm a I'm a football soccer. I used to be yeah. a rugby rugby league tragic, but it just got too brutal and. Ugh. Yeah, so, I, I like I like football, but the, the thing I like about Liverpool is that they've got this song that they sing at the beginning oh, yeah. of every game, as you would know, Hunty, which yeah. is why. And WA, you will never walk alone. And that seems to be the case. You know, you have 63,000 people coming into the stadium. They sing this hymn and they belong to a group. And that seems to meet the need of fellowship that they have. However, they realize that from year to year, it's live or die by the team. Whereas once you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you belong to a larger body, which we call the body of Christ. And that body of Christ gives meaning. It gives purpose. It gives direction. As long as the body of Christ, the people who are part of it, follow Jesus and only Jesus. Hey, hey, I know this is off where we're going. I promise we'll get into the questions straight away. But, but I'm fascinated. You, you lived in Britain for a while. Yeah, I did for about a year. Did you ever go and, and watch Liverpool? Never. It's on the bucket list. Uh, so it's one of the things my son and I want to go and do um, and enjoy that, uh, that atmosphere. We'd love to be able to actually be in the cop. They came and played in Sydney. And I oh. missed it. I was in Perth at the time. <sighs> Hunty had me out doing a shoot somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you would have got a ticket. It would have been pretty t- – I mean, the, the, the stadium was just full of – and when they sung I, – I, now and again I'll watch it on YouTube, you know, for a bit of joy. When they sung You'll Never Walk Alone, I mean, it wasn't a religious moment, but there is a religious fervour to it, isn't there? 
There really is, and there's a goosebumps that come down. And you think, what if we had that many men in church who were that excited about Jesus Christ as they are about a game where a ball is kicked backwards and forwards? <laughs> have you ever, because you've, you've experienced a lot as an Adventist, you've been around Christian, you've been around a lot. Have you ever been to a big event where there was a lot of Christians and had that sort of experience? I'm talking 60,000, 80,000 Christians. Yeah, look, I've been to a couple of general conferences in my life, and I can remember back in 1985 when I was a 15-year-old, and Seventh-day Adventists from all around the world came and congregated in New Orleans. Uh, and that was a moment where, as a teenager, I recognized the size of God's people, yeah, right? Yeah. And uh, and then as I grew up and realized that God's people are everywhere and may not actually look or act like me, that increased my knowledge of the goodness of God. The Adventist Church, actually, for those who are listening and don't know, is a fairly wide church. Would that would that be fair to say? Yeah, that's right. There's about 33 million people around the world uh, who are Seventh-day Adventists, mm. and uh, we're in 206 countries, I believe, at the moment, and uh, growing all the time. So it's a small church in terms of the numbers, but it has quite a huge impact because of our focus on health. And most people who know something about Seventh-day Adventists will know that the blue zone of Loma Linda is a place where a lot of Seventh-day Adventists live and have a longer-than-expected lifespan. Most Seventh-day Adventists will live seven to ten years longer than the average human in the country in which they live because of the differences in health. Do you think that will happen for Hunty? Uh, well, and it's a challenge for me, never mind Hunty. <laughs> I'd like to judge Hunty on this show if we could. <laughs> I don't mind. But let's take the camera. Well, I've, I have been to a Chelsea and Liverpool soccer match, so I'm good to go. <laughs> oh, have you really? Fantastic. Well, you've gone up in my estimation as that, well. Thank you. But, but the thing is, I've got to say this about him, Terry. He wouldn't know the difference between rugby league, rugby union and a soccer oh, match. Oh, here, so. here we go. Here we go. All just right. for your, your call, Hunty, it's an oblong ball versus a round ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we actually, I actually have a bit of trouble and a bit of tension comes into this ministry around state of origin time with Hunty. Oh, yes. He's, he's, he's problematic. But Like Lloyd, I was born in New South Wales in Sydney, but Lloyd has chosen to support the traders. Oh. I, 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 hey, Terry, do you be- believe in born again? I was born again in <laughs> Queensland. <laughs> but, yeah, funny well, I'll, I'll... Yeah, go, I'll go. stay out of this conversation you know, because uh, this one here probably has too many people on either side that right. have very strong feelings. <laughs> uh, I think the reality is, um, you know, God plants you in different places, isn't he? And I always said, look, I'd never go to Sydney, and, and here I have been for 21 years. And I was talking to the Lord the other day, and I got a feeling I might not be leaving until I finish this work either. Oh, Terry. praise the Lord. You know, you know how you get that sense? You, where Absolutely. I, I, I actually was looking at moving out of Sydney, but the Lord slammed doors, didn't he, Hunter? Slammed. Mm. It was very, uh, anyway, let's get, let's get into these questions. These are questions that I said that have come through regularly from listeners. A lot of them, uh, Pastor Terry, people who are not Adventists, but they're, they're just starting to come into what I would call the influence of Adventist eschatology. Do you know what I mean? The, the view of Adventist end times. Yeah. And these are the questions. I just, look, they don't have to be long answers, but I just wonder if we could pick your brain for a few moments today and, and see what you think. About that. And, and as I say this, you've been a pastor, and, and a lot of times you've actually been a church pastor for, what, 25 years or more? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm hitting my 30th year as a minister here in about three months' time, which is hard to believe. I graduated from, in 1992 and started as a minister immediately. You know what? You must have been pretty young when you became I was 22. Because I was yeah. 20, 27 
when I became a pastor, and I graduated in 1990. So you and yeah. I, uh, when it comes to actual years of service, you and I are pretty close. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Um, look, here we go. In the light of world events, is it reasonable to say Jesus is coming soon? And I ask that question because Adventists have been preaching and teaching that that point. That we've been saying, look, I'm a third-generation pastor. My grandfather became a pastor not long after the last century opened. He preached it, my father preached it, I preached it, you preached it. Yes. Is it fair to say Jesus is coming soon? Look, I, I think the answer to that is yes. It is fair to say that Jesus is coming soon. and But it's fair to say from people of faith, people who believe that the Bible is truly the word of God, have no doubt in their mind that Jesus is coming and is coming soon. And that is the case going all the way back yeah. to the time of Jesus and the apostles who believed that he was coming within their lifetime. That's and right. they were shocked that they were going to die. So there is this sense of imminent return that must be a part of the daily routine of a follower of Jesus because the word of God says that he is coming. And in reality, he could come the moment, uh, in essence, that you die and you sleep and you wait for his resurrection. So, so none of us wait long. I, is that what you're saying? None of us wait long? None of us wait long. I think the challenge for us is that we have this understanding that God is coming and we want to hasten that coming. And as we try and hasten that coming, it lends itself to extreme understandings. And when we go down the extreme understandings, we end up having more problems than God ever wanted us to have. I, I mean, my answer to this would come from the book of Galatians. Uh, Lloyd, and the book of Galatians chapter 4 in verse 3 says, In the same way we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman. So there is this understanding that God has clarity when he is going to do anything. Jesus came at the time that was divinely appointed, as we can see prophetically from the book of Daniel and the book of Jeremiah. And in that understanding, Jesus prophetically said that God knows the time and date when he will send Jesus back to the earth. And therefore, in the fullness of time, he will come. Our responsibility, in my opinion, is to be patient and to actually live to the best of our ability in a reasonable understanding, and I'll take you to another Bible verse here, uh, Lloyd, which I think is fantastic, and it's found in Jeremiah chapter 29. Many Christians quote Jeremiah chapter 29, and they normally quote verse uh, verse 11, which says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you. Good yeah? text. Because it's, it's part of the prosper, yeah, the, yeah. The, the prosperous gospel we uh, like aspect. It. We like it. <laughs> yeah, love that very much. But most Christians completely miss the point. The point of that chapter is really from verse 4, which says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all of the exiles who are in Babylon, whom I sent into exile in Babylon, I want you to live your lives by building houses, living in them, planting gardens, eating their produce, get married, have sons and daughters, get them married so that they can give you grandchildren, that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there, and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city of Babylon where I have sent you into exile. So I like this. The, 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 I mean, the idea yeah. is that our responsibility is to actually seek the welfare of Sydney, of Melbourne, of yep. Perth, of Adelaide, of Brisbane. And so Christians should actually add to the overall goodness right. of a city, like giving it, a it lot. hope. Yeah. So he, he goes on further to say, uh, do not let 
your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you about this text. Do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is all a lie, and they are prophesying to you in my name, but I did not send them. So it's very clear that at the time that God sends Jeremiah, that there were a lot of prophets in Babylon who were trying to tell the people of Israel, don't live your lives the way that God intends. You're going to be going back to Jerusalem soon. But he had told them it was going to be a full 70 years. There was no cutting down on the years that were going to go by. And for some of them, it was 150 years before they actually made it back to Jerusalem. And he says, live your life to the best of your ability. Be the moral influence in your community that your community desperately uh, needs. And, And when you read it in that context, when you get to verse 11, where God says, for I know the plans I have for you, then you realize that God's plans are always about us benefiting society and those who are not believers, who are not interested in connecting with God at all. And I think one of the biggest failures that Christians have made is that they've made access to God too difficult for most oh, people yeah, to actually understand. I agree. We've made access to God almost too difficult for the church people, let alone for the community. Hey, yeah. you talked about extremism. What do you mean by that? Extremism, people get extreme. So, so they say, oh, Jesus is coming soon, and, and then that leads to extremism. What do you, can you, would you be willing to share with us practically what you mean there? Yeah, I'll, I'll share it from a theological perspective so that I don't offend anybody. But uh, the, the perspective of extremism here is where people start to believe that they alone are the ones who have truth and that you have to believe like they believe, and if you don't accept their belief, then they will ostracize you. They will set you apart. And when they do that, they actually isolate themselves from society. They get further and further away from society in order to maintain their purity. And we can see this during the Middle Ages and the Dark Ages, really, where uh, believers who were Christians would set themselves up in areas where they could actually prove their purity and show their connection to God in ways in which most of humanity could not understand. There's a story of one of the saints, and I put it in inverted commas, uh, who actually lived on the top of a pole on a platform for 30 years. You know, Uh, How do you survive without other people helping you survive in that context? And what have you actually done for society that's actually going to bring about an understanding of the kingdom of God. And what you see in the New Testament, uh, Lloyd, is that Jesus constantly was saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You are experiencing the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? It means that we've got to be engaged in a way that is actually making an impact for the kingdom of heaven in our day. That goes back to what you were saying uh, with Jeremiah. Live for the culture you're in. Hey, um, going back to the extremism, do you, and I know you probably don't want me to push this too hard, but do you see extremism in the church when it comes to these sorts of things where, where people are setting themselves aside, setting themselves up as more pure perhaps in the world, saying you've got to be as I am and in this group to, to be saved? Do you see that in the church or is that not really in the church in this day and age? I think I'm, human, not, I'm not asking for practical examples. I'm just asking generally because I do know we need to be careful. I think that the human condition almost forces us to try and feel like we're better than other people. Yeah. Uh, and the reason that we join a tribe like Liverpool 
is so that we can actually fight against another tribe. You know, well, it's well, friendly we, banter. We, we do know that we're better than Manchester United and Manchester City. <laughs> we actually know it. So, Go to your heads. Well, I, I, don't, clearly, I, I don't like that example. but <laughs> Clearly, you know, Manchester United has the Red Devils as their symbol. That's so right. clearly, as Christians, we can't support them. <laughs> no, but the idea here is this tribalism that we have. Yeah. And so uh, what we have in, in churches, no matter what denomination, and yeah. again, no matter what religion, yeah. is this this ability for certain men, and it's normally men, yeah. who are able to actually um, share with enthusiasm and passion a perspective that isolates them and makes them feel more special. Yeah. And that is something that is a human condition. It's part of, the, of, of what sin is. God says... You will not be isolated. You will actually be a part of everybody and share with everybody. And that's why he put Israel in the crossroads of the, of the ancient times and yeah, still yeah, to yeah. this day. Yeah. Um, okay. Could, could Jesus come right now? Could, could I walk outside this afternoon and Jesus is coming? No, not according to what Scripture is actually telling us. The so Scripture says that there's still a few things that need to take place. You know, when you're looking at Matthew chapter 24, there seems to be some challenges to the spiritual world and some legal aspects, you know, such as the enforcement of a particular day of worship over another day of worship. And for me as a Seventh-day Adventist, it would be the Sunday over the Sabbath. Um, so there's a number of things like that that, uh, that are to take place that have not taken place to date according to the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel. So at this point in time, as a Christian, I cannot say that Christ could come back tomorrow. However, let me say it like this. It has been very clearly shared in the New Testament that the people who thought that they understood the Bible of the Old Testament well were well and truly wrong, and they were not expecting Jesus to come in the manner that he did. And so for me to stand up and say, well, this is the only way that needs to occur would be boastful and prideful, I think, uh, Lloyd. So in humility, I would say my interpretation of Scripture precludes me from saying that Jesus is coming today, but wouldn't it be wonderful if he did? Mm -hmm. And I would be ecstatic and over the moon and thankful that I was wrong. Yep. I think sometimes, and, and uh, I might get accused of being a bit of a rebel here, but I think sometimes we can have in our minds how we think things have to unpack and if they don't unpack exactly as we think, then we say, oh, well, Jesus doesn't come. I'm interested that I have read in a number of places, and from different authors actually, the idea that when Jesus does come, there'll be many people who claim to follow him, claim to be students of Scripture and prophecy, who will be greatly surprised. I think Jesus himself said, be careful yeah. that this doesn't come to you like a thief in the night. Yes. Uh, and so we do need to be careful in saying when Jesus can and can't come, don't we? Absolutely. And I would take you back to Jeremiah chapter 29. You know, after the verse, for I know the plans I have for you, he goes on and says, then you will call upon me and you will come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So there's this continual theme in Scripture that God wants people who are constantly seeking him daily, moment by moment, where their number one priority is a relationship with Jesus. And when they seek him as their number one priority, everything else that their heart could ever have imagined will be given yeah. to them. But because they've humbled themselves... They've died to self. They've allowed Jesus to live in them. They're not looking for the same material wealth and objects that we seem to be, you know, They're, they're not uh, putting their roots with. as deeply into the earth. 
Correct. They they are looking east and upwards. Hey, what about this one? Now, this one I, I actually hear now. Specifically, I hear this, in, to be honest, in Adventist circles. But it, it yep. could be in other Christian circles too. I'm not sure. Um, I have a, a couple of really good mates, actually. Uh, one who's the local Pentecostal pastor in this area and the other who is the Anglican pastor. We ride motorcycles with a Pentecostal guy. I don't hmm. think we've got the Anglican guy out on a motorcycle yet, have we? No, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I, I don't know what they, what they're hearing in their congregations, but I hear some Christians say that the end of time, as it comes, we should sell our properties in the cities and move deep into the country. So, yep, so this, what do you think this, about that? Look, this, this actually comes from an interpretation when the apostles were listening to Jesus, the disciples were listening to Jesus, and he was telling them that the destruction of Jerusalem was coming and that those who were watching and waiting would see a sign and they would actually get out of the city before the destruction occurred. Yeah. And as we know, histor- history tells us that the Roman Empire came and uh, surrounded Jerusalem before they could actually get out, and then they left. And when they left, that was a sign that told the people who had remembered the words of Jesus that it was time to get out of the city and move on out. And sure enough, over a few days, they took off, and the Roman Empire came back. And when it came back, it destroyed Jerusalem and the Second Temple. And so are you, temple, are you saying not many Christians perished in the sack of Jerusalem by Titus and the Romans? Certainly not the Christians who believed in the prophecy that Jesus had given in Matthew chapter 34 and Luke. So there is some clarity there. Now, people have extrapolated from that, Lloyd, and they have moved it to today and said, it's time for us to get out of the city. My challenge to them would be, God tells us that our responsibility is to witness to him on his behalf to the entire world. 90% of the world is now living in cities. So if we leave the city then the influence of our morality is weakened. The cities become horrifying places because there is no hope, there is no purpose, there is no meaning. We actually leave Jeremiah 29 behind in the dust, and we are unable to actually seek God in the mission that he has given us, which is to share the good news of his soon coming. Now, there will come a time when being in the city, the influence of the city will get to such a point that we will be unable to actually effectively fight against it. And I have to say that for some people, that may already be now. And if that's the case, then they should leave the city for their own salvation. But for the vast majority of people, it's in the cities that God has actually given us the greatest amount of work to do. If you were a a young parent, which I know you're not now, your children are pretty much growing up, well, within reason. Within reason. I, I think your daughter would be 20 or something. She's 23 and my son's 18 and headed to Avondale on Monday next week. Oh, wow, he'll he'll meet my daughter up there. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, she's she's second year primary, and um, he'll be first year uh, secondary. Oh ha- yeah! Oh, I was going to say <laughs> I hope you've got deep pockets, but I, I actually encourage everyone to go to Avondale University if they can. It's a, it's a, he'll have the he'll have the time of his life. Yep. And let me let me tell you two things about Avondale just quickly. Yep. Uh, the first is that they have a ninety seven percent appreciation rate from their students and the second is that 93 percent of the students who graduate from avondale have employment and that's compared to 77 percent from any other university in australia you could almost say if you're an avondale university graduate if you genuinely want a job in the area you've studied it you will get a job 
Absolutely. Even if it's not instantly, you will get a Absolutely. job. Absolutely. There's no doubt in our minds that that's going to be the case. It's a highly regarded school for theology, for nursing, and for education. In fact, the nursing program is the number one uh, nursing program a couple of years uh, in the running, and um, their education department almost 100% of the graduates actually get picked up and, and uh, as teachers around all of Australia. Interesting you say that about nursing. My daughter, don't want to brag, but I too feel like bragging about her. <laughs> She's fantastic. She's a nurse. Studied at, studied at Avondale University through the Sydney Adventist Hospital. She was telling me the other day that it's pretty much recognised that the course she did is, is Australia first, Australia best, and how much she would love to come back to Sydney sometime and work at the Sydney Adventist Hospital. Yeah, it's 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 not us bragging, Lloyd. It's yeah. actually what has been independently verified. Yeah. And it comes down again to our desire to see people live the best life that they can. Again, yeah. it's about the hope. It's about living your life in such a way that you enjoy every moment, every day has purpose and meaning. I was sitting in the airport this morning just watching people walking around, and, and you can see how some of them are just loaded and burdened, yeah. right? Yeah. And and it just, my heart goes out to them because I wish I could just sit down and say, hey, have you heard about my Savior, Jesus Christ, yeah, my yeah. friend? But you know that if you did that, people feel that it's a, a private conversation. You shouldn't have it publicly. And so uh, one of the challenges that we have is in a city environment is getting past the defense moats that people place around them and how to actually share the good news of the hope of salvation, the hope of Jesus in my life. Actually, get to know your neighbors. That's a good start, isn't it? Yeah, you know? it really is. Um, but um, I actually, just before we move on, um, my daughter's second year at Avondale University can't wait to get back. Desperate. Wonderful. Rang me up the other day. She's going back on Sunday. She said to me, Dad, I've already packed my bags, which made me laugh <laughs> because I was quite the opposite. I was packing my bags on the day I'd go down there. But I come out of that place with the best friends that have stayed with me for life. Yeah. It is amazing. And, and for those who are Avondale, Hunty's going to say something. I was going to say, when your daughter graduated with nursing, yeah. I remember she was all apprehensive about applying different hospitals to get work, but didn't they see Sydney Evans Hospital and Avondale College nursing graduate on her resume and open doors for her instantly? Instantly. Yeah. She, she, there was one place, I better not say the hospital because it's where she works there, <laughs> and they weren't going to give her a job because she was a new grad first year. And they said, well, yeah. and she's literally walking out of the interview and they said, where did you study? And she said, Avondale University. It was when it was a university college, Avondale University College. And I said, is that Sydney Adventist Hospital? She said, yeah, they're affiliated, which they are. Yes. And the lady said, come back in, and she walked out with, with a job. Amen. You know? And, Amazing. And it, it has that, you know, we're not bragging, but it does have that reputation. And if you've got kids and you don't know where to send them and you want a Christian environment, and it is a good Christian school, you send your kids to Avondale University, they're going to have the most amazing time. They'll make the best friends. Some of them are going to come out with husbands and wives. Terry, I think you've got a witness you weren't at Avondale <laughs> University, but your, your testimony, mate, you went to, you went to another one of our Adventist universities, Southern, I think it was. Southwestern in Southwestern. Texas. Is that Southern or is that another one? No, no, Southern is in Tennessee. Yeah, I better be careful, hadn't I? And, yeah, and there, you was, walk- there was a rivalry. <laughs> well, I went to PUC, and there was a rivalry with uh, uh, La Sierra, La Sierra and, and, and the other one up north. I'm trying to remember Walla Walla, Walla Walla, Walla, yeah. Walla especially. We, I know we're wandering here, but we used to play uh, floor hockey, which is like ice hockey. Oh, love floor hockey. Oh, me too. It, it reminded me when I was over there. It reminded me of rugby league, and I just, I just, uh, 
Mate, I, I loved it. <laughs> I actually got Brilliant. on the uni team, believe it or not. <laughs> I think this rough rugby league boy. Hey, getting back to, to end times. Yeah, question four. <laughs> uh, we I, we I may not be able to do all of them. No, I'm going to try and get you back uh, because I want to go through all of these. I think it's actually good for our listeners to hear from um, our, our Australian... Uh, yeah, Pastor Terry, while, while I can interject here, when we finish this interview, please don't hang up until the recording's finished uploading, please. Anyway, yeah, having no said that, let, let's let Pastor Lord continue. <laughs> I'm going to skip number four because I want to come back there uh, next week or week after yep. whenever we can get you. Um, number five, Russia and China seem to be rising powers in world affairs, and it's a bit distressing for a lot of us when we see Russian tanks rolling into Ukraine today. Yes, it is. Um, Very I, concerning. It, it, it is. And you, you think that you live in a world where the lessons of World War One and World War Two were long learned. But it seems to be yeah. the nature of humankind, and you've still got nations, and it's quite unbelievable that would invade peaceful neighbours. And to be honest, Terry, between you and me, I, I, I sit here stunned today that, that this could happen in Europe. But I don't really want to get into the politics of it. I just want to ask you, is there any evidence? Because these, you look at Russia and China, they seem to be rising monoliths in the world, very powerful nations. Is there any evidence of either nation in the Bible? So let, let me start off by saying that our hearts go out to the Ukrainians and, mm. and of course, to those who are going to be involved in this, this conflagration. Uh, we were just chatting with some Seventh-day Adventists who are there, who are praying for their nation. And on Sunday, I was in the CBD of Melbourne and there was a demonstration by Ukrainians themselves who were actually talking about the freedom that they were concerned that they would lose. And it's going back to the, the Cold War of yesteryear. Coming into scripture, you know, when you're looking Even at Daniel... You, just before you go there, Terry, I'm yeah. oh, sorry for interrupting. Please. It, it's not just the Ukrainians either, is it? It's the Russians. Yeah, because what absolutely. Because what, what, what the press is missing is there's an army of 250,000 Ukrainians who's pretty well armed now, waiting for yeah. those Russians. Yeah, and, it's and going to be horrific. For both horrific. sides. And, and Adventist, the Adventist church, we're in both Ukraine and Russia working with beautiful people on both sides of the nations there, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, um, and so many other Christian faiths. I, I guess and, it's hard for us to, to understand what's going through President Putin's mind, though, because we all want peace. Yeah, um, the good thing is that we, we can't really comment on this. What we can comment on is look at Scripture, and we can see clearly in Daniel chapter 2 that uh, the, the feet of the statue are clay and metal, and they don't mix. And so we know that when it comes to Europe, there is always going to be conflict of some sort, whether it's political or physical, as is the current case. And then when we're looking at Scripture again in Daniel chapter 11 and 12, there's this, there's this long soliloquy about the king of the north mm. and the king of the south. And throughout history, we have had theologians and interpreters trying to determine who are these kings and how does it actually fit. Is it linear? in terms of what's actually going on, or are mm, there mm. bits of, of history that have been skipped over? Mm. And I, I can say categorically that I don't have the answer, and neither did many Seventh-day Adventists who thought that they we, had We've the had a go, haven't we? Quite <laughs> we a lot of us. We have had a go. We have had a go, and we've been wrong quite often. So it's better for us to look at it and say, you know what, I don't think that Scripture actually speaks about Russia and China in those words. Mm. But it doesn't speak about the United States either. It it gives us identity clues, and we can look at the identity clues and say, does this nation or does this religious power actually fit the clues that are being shared? And we can say, yes, but here's, here's the kicker when it comes to prophecy, and I think this is an important one. No one can truly interpret prophecy until it's actually happened. When it's I, I happened... Find that, yeah, that's, that's a very, can you just say that point again? Yeah, no one can truly interpret 
prophecy until it happens. When it happens, you can go, ah, now I get it. And now I can see very clearly. And so anything before that is conjecture. And that's important. And uh, and prophets have to be... Whenever you hear someone... Oh, sorry, sorry. But whenever you hear someone making firm statements that this is Russia and the Bible or China, are you saying just be a little bit careful? I certainly would be saying that. I would say go carefully. Uh, Don't become caught up in any kind of arrogant statement of that nature. Far better for you to humbly study the Word of God, make sure that the connection that you have with God is solid as a rock, and then when things don't pan out the way that you thought that they were going to pan out, your faith is not going to come into any kind of jeopardy. Is it, would it be fair to say that Christians need to be very careful about taking sides in these conflicts? The reason I ask this is this. I, I, you, know, you know me pretty well, Terry. I have a strong sense of justice. Mm-hmm. In, in some sense, I'd almost die for it, if you know what I mean. I, I don't like it when I see oppression of people, whether it's bullying in a school or whether it's nations bullying each other. I don't like it, naturally. And so my instinct is to speak out on Facebook or whatever. But the moment I speak out, say I take the Russian or the Ukrainian side in this conflict, it seems to me that I disqualify myself from being able to effectively share the gospel. And you never see Paul or Peter or, or any of these Bible writers really speaking out on behalf of nations in conflicts like this. What's your advice on that? Am I on the right track or have I got it wrong? And please, I, I please you, don't read too many of my Facebook posts. <laughs> <laughs> I think you actually are on the right track. I think that as Christians, we have to be very careful. Now, what we can do is we can stand up against injustice. When we can clearly see that something is unjust or unjust, we should stand up and we should actually speak from a moral, strong point of view. But we need to be very careful that our particular culture and understanding and the historical interpretation that we have is not coloring the way that we're actually looking at something. And we have to all admit, you know, I mean... It's we're difficult Australian. for that not to happen, isn't it? Uh, exactly. I mean, we're, we're, we're Australian. We're from the West. Exactly, and so therefore we're already tribal. So yeah. we clearly are tribal in the way that we see things. You know, when you're looking at things from the from the communist point of view or from the socialist point of view or from now the Russian point of view, they see things quite differently. And we have to admit that their interpretation of history gives them the strength that they believe in. Now, is that right or wrong? Well, hard to tell, and it's only history that truly can come up with historians who criticize and who take the time to look at both yeah. sides, and they come up with an interpretation of what's right and wrong. But we need to be – look, I, we've run out of time, but and I, and I want to get you back. I don't know whether you're available next week or not because there's some things – I've really enjoyed this conversation. Mm, me too. Because it's an area I like. But we need to be careful as Christians that we don't disqualify ourselves, especially on social media, even, even when we're <laughs> – we think we're standing what we think are, we're standing for what we think are just causes. We still need to be careful because, say, I was to take the Ukrainian side. The bottom line is there's 150 million Russians that we want to reach for Christ. Or I take the Russian Absolutely. side. Well, there's a 50 million Ukrainians we want to meet. And, and I love the way Paul was able to kind of just march straight through this and keep preaching the gospel to anyone and anywhere who would listen to him. Yeah, and I love that about him, and I think it's because of his interpretation of the Old Testament. So when he came to the book of Jeremiah and saw that God says to the people, you live in the city, you be the moral influence, you make the impact, that that allows us to try and be as neutral as possible with the cultural understandings and challenges that we face. And, and, you know, finishing this off, it is true, like you were saying, though, there are some causes for justice worth standing for. 
Absolutely. And that's probably where we need the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to be born again, get, led by Christ. And he will tell us when to stand and when not to. As my dad says, don't climb every... I got this inclination to climb every mountain, Derry. And my dad said to me, mate, don't climb every mountain. And you need the Holy yeah. Spirit, don't you? Yeah, you've got to pick your battles. Yeah. And I will, I will share this. I, I, when I come back next time, yep. Lloyd, we need to talk about what God actually says about war. And to look at the people of Israel and see what they experienced and what God wanted for them, but that they rejected. And as a result of their rejection, that we experience the same pain. I hope we can get you back next week, but who knows with your program. I'll get Hunty to talk to you. Thanks, Pastor Indeed. Terry Johnson. Thank you so much, Pastor. The lead pastor of the Australian Church. It's a privilege. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Fascinating, Hunty. That was excellent. Remember, Terry, don't turn your computer off. <laughs> Until it's uploaded. Because why, why do you don't, not want him to turn the well, computer off? Well, we're actually turning these uh, little radio interviews into social media podcasts and video casts. Yes, we are. So within a few seconds, in fact, it's just completed. Terry, your video has uploaded. <laughs> Thank you, mate. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I hope we see you next week or real soon. I'll get Hunty to chase you. I'll chase you, yep. So this next song. Last song. Yes, written by a great hey, Hunty. songwriter. Hunty. We Singer. never did our Bible study. I know. Again, we so failed. I promise next week <laughs> yep. the Bible study is right off the mark. Okay. It's a f- hunty. Yes. It's the first thing we do. The first thing we do. But okay. we're getting Deal. into these conversations with our guests, which is so interesting. Absolutely. Go for it, mate. Okay. Well, um, David Meese, great Christian singer-songwriter. When he was at his lowest, he realized that Jesus would have left heaven and come to earth and died just for him. And that's when he wrote this song. It's entitled, We Are The Reason. As children, we dream of Christmas morn. All the gifts and toys We knew we'd find But we never realized A baby born One blessed night Gave us the greatest gift Of our lives And we that he gave his life We were the reason That he suffered and died To a world that was lost He gave all he could give To show us the reason To live Crying in the rain 
Alpha Hunty, who was that? David Meese. Who's that? He's a fantastic Christian singer-songwriter from the 80s. Ah, well, you're Back when dinosaurs you're, roamed the earth. And that's you. That's me. The old man. Hey, it's time to pray. It is. It's been a good program today. I'll tell you what, I enjoyed that interview. I have enjoyed all the interviews we've mm, done the last me too. few weeks, and that's why they keep going over time, Hunty. You <laughs> yes. know, just so our listeners know, Hunty's sitting here furiously winding him up, <laughs> but the handbrake's pulling it on. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. I, w- I want to end with a short prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, there's a lot of us who do sense that these are end times. And as we listen to uh, the lead pastor of the Adventist Church share his faith and his understandings, I just want to pray that people will have been blessed and that they will have seen Jesus today. When you do choose to come, Lord, through the Holy Spirit and his leading and through grace, we pray, Lord, that you'll find each of us ready. We love you so much. And to be honest, there are a lot of us who can't wait for you to come back and end all the pain and the death and the hurt. So thanks for hearing our prayer and thank you so much, Jesus, for being with us today. We love you. Ah, but we know you love us so much more. Thank you, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Hunty, it's come the end of our program. It has. Again, to our listeners, thank you for joining. Thank my you. name's Lloyd Grollam, and my I'm name, an Aussie pastor. And my and, name's Hunty. And I love you, and God loves you so much. Hunty, he what did you indeed. want to say? Uh, God loves you too. Ah, that's pretty good. See you next time. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, or ways to support us, go to findjesus.tv.